0: So you grew up here. I saw that you went to WSU. Yeah, I did. So you're a Husky fan. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Exploring Washington State Podcast. Here's your host,
1: Scott Cowan.
0: I would like you guys just to make me stop talking and tell me about where we're sitting first off this beautiful space. Craig, this was in your family, I heard. Yes, we're in Titan, Washington.
2: Um, this little town of Titan is a farming town at the west end of the Yakima Valley at about 2,000 foot elevation. And this is where our grandfather started farming in the late 20s.
0: What brought your grandfather here?
2: He married into a farming family, a German farming family, um, is, is what I was told. And they, um, you know, he started, that's how he got started.
0: Okay. And you grew up here? I grew up here. Sharon, you mentioned he was riding his motorcycle around here as right. a kid about this site. So what, Craig, I'm just going to ask you this. So what's changed since you were a kid here?
2: one thing that's really noticeable is the weather's considerably warmer uh we don't we used to have two or three feet of snow pretty steady in the winter and now it's we just have you know less snow in the winter so it's you know the talk about all the the climate warming it's certainly you can see it here in in my lifetime okay and it's actually been positive in a way here an extra two or three degrees here is is uh actually just fine for us we're about seven degrees every day cooler than yakima on a given day in the summer, which is positive for the fruit we grow.
0: When you were growing up here, were you raising the same crops then as you are now, or have you changed through the years? Uh, almost everything has been
2: replanted. Uh, we we still farm pears, uh, and we s- used to be all red delicious here. They're all gone now, and we have all these other new varieties we're growing. Um, so still apples, and then the other new thing we're doing is my grandfather used to grow apricots initially, um, and we got back in the apricot business about fifteen years ago as a niche, and that's and that's been good for us as well.
1: And then there's cherries.
2: And then we grow cherries also, you know, late late season cherries,
0: and we harvest the end of July here. So about how many acres of apples in 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 its entirety? Apples uh, about
2: two fifty.
0: And are they all organic? Yes. Is your entire farm organic?
2: it's 90 I about 97% organic we have one field of apples that's not but uh, um, pretty much we all the pears are organic all the apricots all the cherries
0: and so how many acres of apricots 30 and cherries 30 I'm seeing a trend <laughs>
2: how about pears <laughs>
0: pears we have about 60 <laughs> so when i was reading so this is where i get to start showing my lack of knowledge on your website for harmony, you mentioned pears and peri. Yes, perry pears. Perry pears. So, what's the difference to me? Pear oh, is that like this? Is that the equivalent of dessert fruit, apples, and cider apples? Correct. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, a
2: perry, a perry pear is a term that uh, comes from Europe, and that's considered to to be a. Yeah, uh, that's a pear just grown for cider making. Okay, and they're very high in tannin, almost inedible. Very high sugar and high in tannin, and that's that's what those. And they're very they're very small. Oh, they're in small. Si- they're small in size. Oh. Yeah. So that's the, that's the characteristic of that fruit.
0: So when we were driving up today, I noticed some pears on the right side of my yes, car. Yeah. Those are, those are
2: Bartlett pears. Those are Bartletts. Okay. Yeah. But we, we, uh, most of ours are grown at another farm, our Perry's in Yakima. Okay. The climates, it seemed like it's a little better for them there. And the cider apples are much better up here than in Yakima. It's a cooler air. It's a cooler climate up here, which they're, you know, more akin to based on where they, we've come from, come, come from in the, in the
0: Europe. Okay. So you grew up here. I saw that you went to WSU. Yeah, I did. So you're a Husky fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh it's all
2: about football every weekend and uh you know, it's all about WSU and one game a year that's important. Yeah, so we're hoping. You know, we have a big a lot of hope this year. So we'll see.
0: <laughs> well, at the time we're recording this yesterday
1: Yeah, they coobed it. <laughs> they, they, they cooped
0: it yesterday. They got guys. hammered by F C yesterday, I'm so sorry, that, that, that's that's true. Yeah. I, where, oh, I was getting ready to record an episode with somebody and I, I checked the score and it was like, I think the Cougars were up like 14 nothing. I'm like, Oh, this is great. Really great. And then by the end of my recording, it was like, Oh, well, that yeah. wasn't so great. Yeah. That and, wasn't so And great. then the
2: Huskies yeah. finally won big. So I get this. So they're, they are pretty good, but they didn't start out very well. So we'll, we'll see how it goes here. There's always
0: hope. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you, uh, what did you major in at, at WCU? Horticulture. You were horticulture. Right. And what did you do after college? After college, my father encouraged
2: me to leave the farm and he always felt that there was, you know, there's more money, you know, downstream, be it in the sales business or packing business. So I went to work for a distant cousin of mine in the fruit brokerage business in San Jose, California.
0: Oh, okay.
2: And only planned to be there four or five years, learn the business, come back here. But I ended up staying in the barrier for over 30 years and started a fruit brokerage company, which we still have today in uh, in san francisco that covers all in northern california and some into los angeles
0: wow and then you met in san francisco
1: right yes
0: so let's pick up your part of the story now when did you come to the farm
1: well like when i first came to visit yeah when
0: did you first come to visit? well
1: i mean because the farm was always in craig's vision i came to the farm rather quickly okay to sort of i mean you know and he was pretty clear that washington was his end game so even though i met him in california and didn't really know anything about what a produce broker was or they had a even farther visit you know like way way back what is an apple grower <laughs> um so came here uh And then Craig was pretty clear that even though he had this company in San Francisco, that his his long-term goal was to come back to Washington. Okay. And then when it became easier to telecommute, he was able – we moved and built a house in Seattle, and it was easier for Craig to be here, Mm -hmm. you know, at at our farm, and also then he can do his business that he has to do for CDS. Um, That's his company in San Francisco. Um, You know – via the telephone. No one no one cares where you are anymore. Great. People used to want to know where you were, right? Are you in your office? No, mm-hmm. that's not a thing anymore. You no. know, it's everybody's just wherever they are. Um and so uh I came, you know, I came 40 years ago. Okay. Um and then we then we came seriously twenty years ago to Washington. We we relocated from California.
0: And how do you like to put you on the spot, how do you like it? In Washington.
1: Oh, I think Washington is great. And I was really ready to leave California. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I spent 20 years in California, and it was fantastic. But it was – Washington's a really – it's just a beautiful state. And there's just so many things about Washington that work for me. Politically, I like the politics here. I like the vistas here. I I like the people. The people are just – Washingtonians are fabulous.
0: Well, since you're not from here, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. I mean, Craig's already pretty much said he's a Cougar fan. Is there <laughs> is there is there tension in the in the family? I love that one. There's like the, the Husky family and the Cougar family. No, no, no. I
1: didn't go to the university. I know. I mean, so I who go... do you
0: root for? You could root for anybody. Oh, now, see. Well, I'm not. I
1: actually don't don't really care about college football. Okay. Yeah, that's easy for me. I don't. I okay. like, whatever. You know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: uh, that rivalry it's fun i went to central so i can root for e- i can pick which team to root right. for or not for any given year i have no allegiance although i will admit i have well i have both i have autographed husky helmets in my office and autographed wsu helmets in my office so i have both um but i'm a i'm a baseball guy so i'm a mariners fan so that's oh. that, that's mm-hmm. how i can dodge that one yeah. Well, let's talk. So you moved back here full-time about 20 years ago. Correct. into Washington state. And, and Craig, when did you guys take over the I don't even know if that's the correct way of saying this, the the day-to-day running of the farm? When did it Uh, uh my father passed away 24
2: years ago, so it 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 started uh we had some other farming uh, businesses, you know, in the Pasco area which I was already doing. And then my father passed away, then we took this over too. So so I've been farming, you know, for forty years. But on this particular farm, every day for about twenty five, about twenty five.
0: What you have? What was? What were you growing down in Pasco?
2: Uh, we were growing primarily apples. We were growing some peaches down, peaches, nectarines, and apples.
0: Okay. What was the inspiration to get into cider? You know, that's a interesting
2: uh, question. We had a. We had uh, two friends that uh, we went on a ski trip to Sun Valley, actually, and 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 one of the Cindy had just taken a class at Cornell on cider making, and her husband at the time worked for Whole Foods, and you know it was just you know talking about all the he had worked back east for Whole Foods, and um, so there was you know that he he knew the apple business on the retail end and and so cindy you know could she wanted to make cider and i'm uh someone interested in growing apples learning about new varieties so it it hatched on that trip sharon was always more on the design side sell side marketing side and so we we found a a small cider in outside of portland that wanted to Sell, we bought a little bit of equipment and they had some cider apples, specific, cider specific varieties. So we were able to get into business much quicker than we'd anticipated. We thought we'd plant an orchard and they had to have these apples and it'd take four or five years to get started. But suddenly we could, we were ready to start like one, two, three. And the first year we did about 300 cases in 750 milliliter bottles in 2008.
0: So for perspective, what's the what was production for 2020 at the Tyneside brewery presently yeah yeah about 100,000 cases mhm we'll come back to that
1: <laughs> yeah ah.
0: Ah. <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> so you you bought a small a small operation so that was able to jump start it yes were you making the cider to start with, or did you bring in a cider maker? No, like uh, like I say, Cindy, which was one of the
2: initial partners, she was a cider maker initially. Okay, for the first um, probably two years, um, and so she did that. Sharon did the designed all the labels, did the marketing, did kind of went door to door with a bottle of cider in Seattle uh, at the time. Okay, well, we, let's stop. Wasn't... I
1: want
0: to
2: hear the door to door story. Well, there
1: wasn't a cider <laughs> section. You know you used to go into a grocery store or a liquor store or you name it retail right. space and they didn't have a cider section. You we I mean we the Northwest Cider Association actually pushed so that we could move beer over just a little bit how, how, to put cider in. That was easy. Yeah, really. <laughs> that was easy, right? Beer
0: beer was willing to give you up those 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 linear feet. Yes,
1: and all those guys stocking those shelves would go, "What what is this?" You know, what What do you got here?
0: You know? Well, so how was, in initial days, when you were going, quote-unquote, door-to-door, how was cider received?
1: Um, it depended on the person receiving it. You know, like, mm-hmm. the curious would go, really? And you'd explain, you know, uh, most of them had a background that they knew cider existed okay. in Europe. S- some of them knew cider existed on the East Coast. Um, but they didn't quite know... There were probably originally about eight people, you know, making cider in Washington State, a very small number. And they weren't interested in growing that much, you know, not like what we're doing or mm-hmm. some of the other larger companies are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a little bit of presence. But really, it was this this industry had to be built up from the ground to to actually say we are we are a presence. Right. You know, we're an apple growing state and we are a presence. You know.
0: Yeah, because now flash forward to 2021, c- cider has in most grocery stores has a presence. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: even the small mom and pop stores. Right. All have a cider presence.
0: So for example in Wenatchee, mm-hmm. there's this little independent grocery store that probably has 100 different varieties at any given time really yeah that's terrific No, it is and and that might but when i say 100 i mean eight of them might be yours in other words Mm -hmm. they've got eight of your varieties so it's but you go in there and it's it's not just you know angry orchard
1: correct yes it's not the national ones right
0: so you were going door to door you were you were and and i've glossed over the design piece of that so there's a story to the, to the design. Craig Craig was mentioning this to me earlier about the spiral. Yes. Can you elaborate?
1: Yes. So, (laughs) well, I'm very into symbols and, and the origin of symbols and what symbol and, you know, what that means. And, um, when we had this, when we were, so originally the, the property that we're looking down on now, this hundred acres, it wasn't ours when we built our house here that we're sitting at. Oh. Uh, and then we bought that land. And then I said, I would really like to have this sort of symbol that we could do with trees, which is the spiral, which was, which was planted way before we um, had that as a logo or, you know, was associated with our cidery. But it has always been on our label for our tree fruit. Okay. If you look at a Harmony Orchards box, there's a spiral on that also. So that's a that's a symbol. And the 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 spiral to me has always been um you live your life in one way, which is what I, I view the spider, the spiral to be. You live your life in this way. And you really never know your life until you can turn around and sort of unwind it. Okay. Right? We never really know where we're going. You know, we we have a plan, but our plans all take different different routes, different turns, different things happen. We meet different people. And so we're continually building this little spiral in my in my mind, in my world. And then when you get to a certain point, you're able to turn around and you're able to see what you've actually created in your world. So that's what the spiral means to me.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you incorporated that into the into the well, artwork for well, the
1: well i actually, I really wanted that as a symbolism, something that I really love to see, so that I could see it out my window here in this in this land, right? so then when the when the spi- so this is very true of the spi- of the spiral, right? So I wanted it here on the land, so I could see it, and then that spiral then became. A you know a logo so to speak or a branding of our farming and then we carried it off when we went and did the cidery so there's there's a spiral story right there right. Right? <laughs> right you're starting to make a loop and then this is this is um, it being manifest and the first time we saw a picture of it at Google Earth I mean one of our, our one of our controllers was showing us something there was uh, remember when the Apple industry had that terrible 2008, Craig, is that right? Or when did the, when did, was there a big downturn when the? That was in the late 80s. Late 80s. Uh, No, no, because we had this in here. But regardless of that, there was a. There's been
2: several downturns. We shouldn't
1: laugh. We shouldn't laugh about this. Sorry. Yes. Down here. So, so anyway, there was a, uh, what was happening in Yakima County where several people said they weren't farming their land so they wouldn't have to pay the taxes on it. So then the, gov- then the county was going out and doing all these aerial photographs. So our controller laid the aerial map down one day and I was sitting backwards and I looked and I went, is that the spiral from earth? You know, and it was starting to show up, you know, I mean, now what are those trees, Craig? 40 feet?
2: Oh, uh, there are sixty feet. Somewhere. Sixty
1: feet. Well, so they they started out, you know, like a foot tall. Right. You know, they were a little tiny spiral, and I have been at tastings when we we have a really uh, wonderful aerial photograph of that that we use as we used to use as tastings when I was going door to door. Um, and an Alaska Airlines Horizon pilot came up to me one day and he goes, "Oh, I know where you are." He said, "I see that."
0: When he flies into Yakima. Yeah,
1: or or leaves the Yakima Uh, flying in or whatever. Yeah, he said that's really visible from the air, your spiral.
0: That's great. Yeah,
1: no, it is. And Craig's been up in a helicopter and seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's
0: pretty neat. So so when you first started making cider, did you move the equipment from the Portland area up here or –
2: Yes it uh, was we, yeah here, we br- yeah we brought everything mm-hmm. up here and we had a building on our uh, one of our farms south of here about 5 miles and we had a kind of a tractor shed and so we made that into a cidery we we put the tanks in there and we had a press over there and we were there for um
1: we pressed outside
2: and oh. I swear to God, every time in the winter we needed to press it was below thirty-two. So it was it was a very <laughs> difficult situation up here for uh, to make to make cider. Uh, we were out in the middle of nowhere, although it was close to the where the apples were primarily. But um and then it was uh, we did that for eight years, I guess, or seven years. And then one day I said, Sharon, this—if we're going to move this thing forward, we have to get—we have to get a bigger building. We have to get into Yakima. And we've got to change this whole thing around. So we—we we found a large space in uh, in Yakima off Sixteenth Avenue,
1: twenty fourteen. Which 2014. is where you're at now, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Uh-huh.
2: Twenty fourteen. So do you have that whole building? Uh, well, we have seventy-five percent
0: of it. Okay, now. that's a good—that's a lot of. We have thirty thousand square feet now. That's a lot of square footage. Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: And we're getting close to. Running out of that space, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we're,
2: we're, yeah, really? capacity. We can, we can still, we can run nice shifts and we could, we can do some other things, but, but it's, it's, uh, it, we need every, every, every bit of it now.
1: Mm-hmm. So the original partner, Cindy, um, they decided to start a family and then her commuting back and forth didn't work. And that's when we hired Marcus Robert. Okay. And our, th- that was, that was the move. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was the move that allowed us to, grow and he still is such an integral part of the business okay you know he is really the one who runs the day-to-day operations he's the one who develops all of the new um varieties that we have and Mm -hmm. you know that that was that was the game changer okay yeah
2: and mark and marcus grew up in uh, in gleed or natchez i guess you could say um and he had a small winery at the time so he was making some wine and he's comes from a farming family and we put an ad in in one of the um like winejobs.com or yes, and he, something uh, like that yeah he responded and he said he had a winery in Natchez, and I said I did. I didn't know there was a you know winery in Natchez, <laughs> and he came up here and he worked on the farm for a while and and because we kind of split that we making cider and uh but he was he made great sangiovese and, and but he doesn't have time for that anymore uh but he's a great uh, he's a great uh, sort of cook in the kitchen he, he's a great cider maker mm-hmm. and he's a president of the company now and and so he's an integral part he's been with us for um 10 years i believe ten ten 10 going on 11 so uh, that's been uh, it's been great
0: so i'm going to say to me that in volume your growth has been Explosive. Exactly. Yes. I'm sure it was perfectly smooth. No, no setbacks. <laughs> it's and, been a lot of setbacks. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, so thank you. Because one of the questions I love to always ask is, because I always think there's a, a good lesson to be learned by setbacks or mistakes. Any, anything that you guys started that you thought was going to be a brilliant idea that when you got going, you're like, Ooh, maybe like, was there a variety? Like, did you try to do, you know, I'm being facetious but you know lavender and apricot blend cider and it just didn't work or anything like well, that.
1: There have been a couple of blends that didn't work but actually the whole cider industry in Washington I think I can say that. Let's just say a, par- a portion of the cider. We really th- and and it was in the East Coast too. We really thought that cider would go onto a 750 and cider would be thought of as wine. Okay. And now I'm sure you think of cider as um the cousin to beer, not to the cousin to wine.
0: You know it's funny I think of it both ways. Uh-huh. Okay. In, in the sense that especially like um because snowdrifts 5 mi- 7 miles from my house, right? And right. so they do a lot of stuff in 750s. They do.
1: And they and, they are the um exception, not the rule.
0: So but I think like their Perry that they have. Not that we mm-hmm. want to talk about them today. No offense to them, but you yeah. know, we're talking no. about you guys. You know that comes in at seven fifty. So that right. to me is more of a a celebratory type right. thing. Have it with a nice. Dinner. And they
1: market their they market their cider differently than we do. I mean, Craig is a volume guy. Right. Am I my correct, Craig? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, that, I mean that's
2: where. I mean, this is a. I mean, I hate to say it. It's a production driven business for us. And until we really got into the can business, this business was just, I was, we were feeding it every year uh, to keep it going. So we started with 750s, you know, and then they were saying, went well, five hundreds. You know, and then it, you know, needed to be, you know, less than X. And then so we went to 500s to get the ring, you know, retail price. And we were selling it six, seven, six to eight dollars a bottle, but that's just one bottle at a time and it's you know, it's like selling molasses. So <laughs> it was uh when we really got into the can thing, twelve, sixteen ounce cans, which was uh four or five years ago now, I guess, that changed the business for us. That no, was because that was then you could sell a six pack or a four pack of twelves or sixteens or or that was I and mean, that was that was the trend we were a little be- late in the trend quite yeah, frankly
1: late in the can business uh, mm-hmm. you
2: know some of our bigger competitors were ahead of us in cans we were we were rapidly catching up but that's that changed the business for us because it was it was just kind of a niche a niche thing these these bottles yeah they sell but it's a it's a it's a slow sell okay
1: and that i think that go to go back to your original question that is what really we we started thinking that this would be X mm-hmm. and now it's basically a can business and um, uh, kegs.
2: Yeah, kegs were always a part of our business, and then um, you know the COVID, uh, t- you know <laughs> in in um, let's see, 2020, you know the bars were shut down, so then we had we unfortunately we had a lot of retail business, and we were pretty well positioned with cans and different blends. And our business actually, we had a very good year in twenty, and it's uh, so now that's solidified us. We're we're back. You know the bars are and We're back in that. But our our business primarily now is retail chain stores. That's what drives our business. Okay. And that's and that's just where, rather than fighting for a tap handle every week, they're going to rotate them or they're going to give you this or that. We love that business, but the 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 things that drives us is you know the shelf space with these retailers.
1: And that we didn't even know really when we started, that would be a thing that we would really be like in cans next to beer, you know, that just that that was not in my peripheral vision at all.
0: So you kind of thought it was going to be competing with wine then. I mean, would that be, you know, but even though you when we started this conversation, you said getting in next to beer.
1: Yeah, that was where they put us, you know, because we needed to be cold. Right, wine doesn't self-stable. Yeah, right. okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And
2: to add to the bottle thing, so we started with seven fifties, then we were in five hundred mLs, which is sixteen point nine ounces, and, and then a lot of like Angry Orchards, they were all a six pack of twelve ounce bottles, and they, you know, regardless of how you feel about their cider, they they had the distribution with the Ann Network to really get a box of cider in every in every store and, and convenience store in America, mm-hmm. and so then it and it was there. So at least it was you could buy cider pretty much anywhere and that really helped the whole industry and you know they've they've been chipped away now with regional cideries cons- like ourselves across America but mm-hmm. uh, they they really helped the whole industry distribution wise uh,
0: f- my layman's in- interpretation that it's a lot like Starbucks did for small coffee roasters mm-hmm. by convincing you that you could pay $5 for a cup of coffee um and now you can go down here in Natchez and probably pull into one of those espresso stands and pay 450 for a cup of coffee mm-hmm you would not have done that before
2: which would have been unheard of so it wasn't right. so much that you know that we're selling it for more money but they just they just got it out there and they established it right. at a price for a six pack and then and then the next step was cans you know they're they're cheaper obviously to make the recycling's better. We think actually cider. It, there's no oxidation in the can. We think cider's actually better in cans. I mean, people might disagree with that, but um, we think the quality is consistently better. So those things um, and the retailers really, like in Portland, I mean, they want things in cans. They don't want a lot of bottles down there. Okay. For the recycling aspect, so uh, it just uh, it just matches up well uh, with uh, on a number of fronts here with a with a can.
0: Are you doing your own canning? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that takes up. I'm going to guess that the canning line is takes up a bunch of square footage. It's the size of this table. Okay, so since this is an audio format, I'm (laughs) going to say (laughs) this table is
2: about.
1: It's about three by six.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the the canning machine is is about four by 10, but it it doesn't take a lot of space. You're kidding me. No, it's quite. I mean, you have to have a whole pallet destacker to get the cans into the actual machine, but the machine itself is much smaller than you might think.
0: How many cans an hour can a, that machine do?
2: It's more a minute. I think okay. it's, uh, I, I, it's. Don't quote me. I think it's more like, yeah, you know, we do sixty cans a minute, or they're about sixty to eighty. Wow!
0: Really? Yes. I would. You have, can stop by. I, I I, I, it's <laughs> not that I don't believe you. That's not what I'm trying it's, to it's imply. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's very
2: efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's mm-hmm. what we have it's a multi lane canner, but, um, so yeah, we do everything
0: in house. Everything in house. Mm-hmm. Okay, where do you get the where Where do the cans come from originally? I mean, well, know. there's you know, there's there's I believe there's just
2: two can manufacturers in the in, in America a, in America, you know, that are big. And Ball's we we work with Ball, and they make cans for for everything from Lacroix water to Budweiser Coors to everything else. And there's there's been a, a bit of, there's been a can shortage through COVID, as you know, because more things are going through retail, less through on premise and bars. And so we're on an allocation, as everybody, there's a lot of, as you will see, out of stocks on the shelf, be it Budweiser, Coors, or Titan Cider Works at times. So cans are the have almost been the limiting factor on making more cider. It's, it's quite a, they, they're, they're putting in two new plants, I, I believe. One's in Arizona, one's back east. Uh, there's just a huge demand for cans I- across America
0: one more one more supply chain story that we're hearing in just right. very unusual places yeah so are the cans for cider different than a can for
2: beer yes they have a different coating inside because apples are apples have malic acid mm-hmm. and so there's a there's a there's a there's a coating they put on inside of a can that that's different than beer
0: okay. the can itself is the same the can but the line the lining is there's a case. liner yes what okay so you said you were late to cans Mm-hmm. What was the motivation? To, I mean, when did you have that aha moment that we need to be in cans? I mean, I mean, what was just was it that the market was the market was telling us
2: that? I mean, yeah. just just based on you know the the growth. Yeah, you, know, you look at Nielsen data; the growth is on cans. Okay, I mean, the bottles are just flat to going down, and we're all in that. And all the growth is is uh, either twelve at the time, twelve or sixteen ounce cans, and it's like wow, we gotta. We actually started a separate brand at the time called Rambling Route, which we still make some of that, uh, along with Titan. We were just afraid Tietin's is a premium brand. If we start putting it in cans, we're going to discount the image and everything. But that that really, you know, now it's, it, it you know.
1: It doesn't matter It's no. our
2: main brand, and it's all in cans.
1: That's all the that growing pains that we were talking yeah, about. Right. These we are all those know. things I mean, that we.
2: Probably 5% of our volume now is in bottles. That's it.
0: That's it? Yeah. Wow. Okay.
2: And we now have the new can. It's a 19.2-ounce can. You know, we kind of call them stove pipes. You see them at, at uh, in the convenience stores. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a couple. And, and <laughs> we're, uh, you know, that's that's been great growth for us the last year or so. We just started doing those. And uh, we do a, a blueberry and a huckleberry, and they're just, they're just rocking off the shelves.
0: Will you put other um, ones in those, we're, do you think? We're working on some things for next year. Okay. So let's, bouncing around, let's talk about the tasting room. Okay. When did that open? And the oversimplified question, why did it open? I mean,
1: well, the- we go back to that small building we were at just that's like, you know, 4 miles from where we're sitting to to going to Yakima and then the plant in Yakima was, well, if we're going to do that, then we'll do the tasting room. Okay. So, that was right at the end of when I was involved in the cidery. So, I said to Craig, um, my background is design, so I said, "I'll I'll get the ta- I'll get the I'll get you moved into the new plant. I'll create a tasting room, and I'll redesign the labels because that was the other thing that the market was telling us that you know we never we never knew we were going to have this growth. So if you mm-hmm. were, and then we never knew we were going to have so many products. Mm-hmm. So then we needed to differentiate our products, and then we uh, worked with a a graphic design firm that came up with the different um fruit that's that you see on our labels now that each fruit whatever's in the can or bottle is represented in right. the label and uh, i said i'll get all of that done and then i will be finished okay <laughs> so so it was 2014 and in the tasting room um what's that's actually better than even our tasting room right now is our cider club i'm a member oh you yeah. are okay. oh, that's great <laughs> yeah so then the Cider Club, um, you know, uh, is what what drives really for Marcus to think about new things. And then in being in the Cider Club, as you know, you'll get things that maybe will never make it to the shelf. They'll just be things that Marcus creates or is trying for the Cider Club.
0: Yeah. Right. So we went to the tasting room, my wife and I. And, uh, I mean, it's hard to get a good feel for anything during this current, you know, situation. Right. But it looks like you have a little stage set up out of you know, for music. Hay bales. Uh-huh. Hay yeah. bales. Well, yeah, bins. Yeah, bins. Fruit, fruit oh, bins. bins. Fruit bins, yeah. Fruit bins yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's just, it looks like, and then there's,
2: um. Have a bocce ball court. We put that in. It's kind of entertainment. Right. And food truck. Yeah, there food on trucks
1: come. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah yes. On the weekends.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon d- designed the inside. We used old tree props, you know, used to prop up the limbs in these big old trees and as, you know, as, as a wall covering and, and give it kind of an orchard feel. Yeah
0: inside of the tasting room it's a very welcoming space yeah
1: oh thank you
0: it's a very welcoming space and uh your staff has always been very kind when we go in there mm-hmm. yeah. um, so you can you know tip your cap to your to the staff we'll put you both on the spot what's your favorite cider
1: oh for me it's always the apricot and that stems from i'm a cook and okay. i think that that cider pairs Better with food than any of our other ciders.
0: Okay, and, and you?
2: I like two, and I have to stay with two, even though you say that's one. That's fine. I'll let you. <laughs> the organic apple is is my everyday go to cider, and we have the new single varietal porter perfection that I think is the best cider we've ever made.
1: Oh yeah, well that is that actually is really stellar. But uh, okay, but it's very I would limited say yeah, release,
0: and- mm-hmm. so that's why the other ones, the mm-hmm. the daily, your daily, okay, mm-hmm. more celebratory for the. But you should be able to get your hands on it. I I think if you went down there, you can get. I can get in my hands. I have some. We have an account. You have an account there. You know somebody. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I have a case of that cider here at the the house, but um, um, I I tend to like straight apple more than all the flavors. Is where is all the growth for us? Mm -hmm. But I just like I just like the taste of apples. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I just think that that what Marcus did with that and when he and I spoke and said, okay, what are we going to do with this line? And are we going to, are we going to have a flavored cider? And we have an apricot cider because we grow apricots and right. we have a chair. That's how we start. We have a cherry cider because mm-hmm. we grow cherries, apricot, you know, and then Craig was doing the peri pears. So that sort of our, was our original line. But when, when Marcus came up with that apricot, oh, I just thought it was stellar. And I still think it's the best apricot cider in the market. I've, tasted all the others and it's great and the, I, we didn't mention but the other thing that when we were starting what we were really trying to do was get this is this goes way back to when we were like in the bottles and everything but we were trying to get cider to be shown as uh, an alternative to wine okay. for food mm-hmm. because there really is something about cider with food that's actually better than what wine is if, if people would just do sit down and do a little food testing or wine tasting or cider tasting with certain dishes, I think they would really find that that's really the better alcoholic product to eat with food, to drink with food, excuse me.
0: Well, thank you for setting the table for me because that was what I wanted to ask you is let's talk about cider and food because mm-hmm. in my conversations with other, other cider makers, I haven't asked that question. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you would share with us some pairings that you think go well with some of your ciders?
1: Well, so what we did, and this would probably be about maybe eight years ago now, I went to, um, I'd taken several cooking classes from um, a, a woman who is now a good friend, Alaya Land. And I went to Alaya and I said, let's let's do something for our website with food. And she goes, that is an excellent thing. She goes, because I don't even know what food to pair with cider mm-hmm. so we spent two weeks writing recipes and taking our line you know and saying okay this one works with um the apricot cider in fact last night what i made was this quinoa soup that has potatoes and squash and um cilantro in it and it was a recipe that Eli and i had adapted from mm-hmm. a deborah madison but but on mine it still says pair with pair with apricot cider Okay. And there's, uh, there were some that we did with our Perry, uh, a scallop recipe. Um, but it's, and one night we were having, <laughs> I uh, spent three days working on this black cod, marinating and doing all <laughs> these different things. And I bought sake to go with it. And uh, we had company over. And I opened the sake, and Craig goes, I can't drink this. I just can't drink this. And I had in the refrigerator um, a spice cider that Marcus was working on. And we hadn't quite figured out what we were going to do with it. We we wound up calling it a holiday cheer one year. Mm. We wound up calling it uh, some kind of spice one year. But the market never took to it. Okay? okay, So it's not around anymore. But for a long time, Marcus and I were trying. So I went to the <laughs> refrigerator and I got a bottle of this spice cider. And with this miso preparation on this black cod, I mean, you've never seen four people who almost fell over because it was so delicious. And my friend still talks about it, that when you took a bite of that black cod and when you had a sip of that spice cider, it was like the most perfect pairing that you've ever put in your mouth.
0: And yeah, so I wouldn't, I would not have drawn the line between that.
1: Exactly. You
0: know. And so
1: there was a lot of experimentation that okay. had to happen. But... uh I enjoyed. I mean, I love that because, I, like I said, I'm a cook. And that with working with Alaya for that month uh, and then getting it all photographed. And I mean, it was exhausting, but it was fabulous.
0: So what's another good pairing? I mean, give us a couple. Give us a couple quick and easy ones because everyone's busy. Right. So do you have any quick and easy parents? Well, any
1: chili will go with any of the apple ciders. Okay. Any of the, like even the stronger, um, you know, sort of more heirloomy ciders, mm-hmm. that, that'll grow well. Any sort of chicken dish. Will go well with any probably of the berry ciders that are out there, whether it be our cherry cider or our huckleberry or our um, blueberry, and any kind of chicken dish. So if you had a like anything even off the grill, okay. it would be fabulous. Let me keep thinking. Of course, there's always the um, going back to the brie and the cheese mm-hmm. always goes with any sort of cider. And let me think what else we did that we had. Hmm. I'm 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 drawing a blank right Craig, now. Craig, yeah.
0: what, what do you what goes well with your uh, organic cider? Many things. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Craig is> not <laughs> I'm 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 not a cook like my wife. I know, but, but what do you like? What
2: but do you, but, grab you know, I, I I tend to like a lot of fish and some and some uh, chicken, and it's great with that. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm tra- I'm trying to think back to the website and all the photographs that we had.
2: Because you, you, know, yeah. you did a, a number of those and with the actual recipes. And- mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we put recipes on and photographed them. And then, of course, what happened is we had them all in the bottles. We had the bottles in our photographs. Then those went to can. And <laughs> we were like, oh, my God, we have to reshoot all this. So, anyway, but, um, uh, yeah, we did a whole burger thing, too, where we did um, like a lobster roll. Ooh, yeah, and so what did you
0: pair with the lobster roll?
1: Well, I'm pretty sure that we had the apricot with that also. Okay, yeah, um, there. It's not easy to find on our website um, because I think over time because yeah, I photo- didn't stumble across this. Yes, but it's not. It's it's there. Okay, I, mean, I might be able to get you the link for it. It's okay. there. Yeah, I yeah. didn't stumble on that. Yeah,
0: so mm-hmm. I'm gonna put you on the spot. What you haven't mentioned your peach bourbon
2: yes well that is and now our number one seller it's it, oh, prior yeah. to that it's it was apricot apricot
1: really yeah
2: And the story about apricot was it when our distributor at the time in seattle uh, said you know you got something for the summer so we grow apricot so we did this apricot sire so thinking it was just a seasonal and about november the the, the guys over there said look you're going to be making this every day every year for us because this we can't keep this on the shelves so that was the story with that and that was always our number one. And then we came out with the bourbon barrel. Uh peach cider, I guess it was two years ago now. And same kind of thing. It was just gonna be a summer thing and then and then now it's our number one seller. And so that's where that's our growth has really been in these in these blends. You know, we've last summer we came out with the hazy strawberry to kind of go with hazy beer, and <laughs> that's a good summertime thing. And the spring we have the lavender honey. You know, we got local honey and we got local lavender that Marcus came up with and that's real popular early in in the year. And then we do cranberry as the seasonal in the fall here. So um yeah, the bourbon barrel initially we did it with dry fly. We did a collaboration in Spokane using uh their used uh bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't need to be in the barrel very long too. Cause, it, because the cider, uh, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's more delicate than say wine, lower alcohol. So a little bit of bourbon and, 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 and the, I think people, when you say bourbon, you say peach for most
0: people, that's like, Oh, let me, let me try that. Well, let me ask you this question. Even though you're not the cider maker, I'm going to ask you like you are the cider maker. Did Did putting it in the barrels change the alcohol content? No, no. We are all of our ciders
2: are right at. They used to be all sixteen point six
0: point nine percent
1: because
2: because of excuse me because rocking it. (laughs) That was the federal law if you were under seven, then it was the lower tax. That's been changed. Uh, We still call it six point nine, but it's it's basically seven percent. That's that's the alcohol in our ciders. Has to do with how much how many bricks are in apples typically. Um, which
1: is the sugar? Thank the you. sugar
2: in the apples. So <laughs> she saw um, them look on my face. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> so if if uh, if a uh, if an apple has bricks of twelve, mm. which is twelve percent, then when you ferment it to dryness, you'll get half that. You'll so get six. six. Okay. And so it's you have to add, add back. We add back a little bit of uh, sometimes just straight apple juice to sweeten it to to, to balance it out. And so you, and we end up right at seven. So that's that's the. As most ciders are right around between six and seven percent alcohol.
0: Now you mentioned if it, previously taxation, if it was higher than seven, it went. Was it classified as wine then? It, well, there was like a, a
2: yeah, there was a champagne tax that was in there too. So there was yeah, yeah well that had to do with carbonation. So there was some tricky parts of this. The, the, the champagne tax came from, I guess it had to do with France after the war or something. But that's that's gone away as well. Okay. Um, so that's positive. We had some positive federal legislation on that.
1: Yeah, there's a na- there's a national cider association that has was formed by you know people all over the country, and they've worked hard to get some of these archaic laws off the uh, books or,
0: up- yeah, or updated, yeah, to reflect. Okay. So, what do you think the future holds for cider?
2: I think, uh, cider has a, has quite a, a good future here. Uh, you know, the, the, the seltzers have, have had the real growth. So you go to, you go to the shelf now and obviously beer, cider has its spot. And then, you know, the seltzers weren't even around six, seven years ago. And so that's been a huge growth. But I think, you know, looking at the data, uh, you know, that's starting to tip off a little bit. Obviously still very popular, you know, you know, low calories, low alcohol, f- different flavors. But I, it, to me, the, the seltzer doesn't really have a, a particular story. Cider has a story. It's an American story. We're an apple country. You know, it still takes an apple tree to make cider. Now that's not the case with seltzer. So, I think uh, with the regional cideries like ourselves, um, I think it's a it's a good future.
0: Okay. Put you on the spot. What, what's the future for Titan Cider? What's that look like for you guys? You mentioned earlier that. You're getting close to capacity in the in your current space. Will you guys go, do you think you'll go bigger or? Yeah, we're going to continue to grow. Our okay. growth has been
2: double digits mm-hmm. the last uh, three years and we just want to keep pushing it. Okay. And we've got, we've got pretty substantial plans for the next two years. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So in doing a little prep, if you haven't noticed, I don't do a lot of prep for these, um, but I try to do some. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, Craig, you mentioned in a video I watched uh, somewhere, and I think it was for a fruit, Organization, So I think it was more for, maybe not for the public, but more for your industry. Mm-hmm. Something, and I'm going to butcher it, but you mentioned that you think your fruit has more sugars in it now that you're organic than they did when you were not growing organically. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, and can you help maybe explain that? Well, I that? think... <laughs> um,
2: it it's not maybe so much sugar cuz that can depend on the on the weather each year. I mean this year with this warm weather we noticed that the pears picked at the same maturity had almost 2% more sugar than say last year. But oh. i think in general uh growing organically you know the, you, there's more balance in the soil okay? And then that leads to the balance of the plant or the tree and some of these organic apples they tend to store better they're just a little better balanced uh, because of the balance with the soil, um, and that may be more on the fresh side of things. But it's uh, it's not so much necessarily always high sugar, but it's they store better on the on the fresh side of things. I okay. think
0: okay. And then before I hit record today, I, you and I were talking talking about you have approximately forty acres of cider apples. Yes. One of the things that I. have Struggled to wrap my brain around is that doesn't seem like a lot of acreage for the volume so i i, I have this disconnect between uh what a, a cidery is doing versus how much acres of fruit they have dedicated to it
2: well i think the, the answer the and that's that's a good point you see 40 acres and you're making all this cider that doesn't really doesn't add up so so we we call the cider apples are uh they're not more expensive to grow per acre than a any other apple but the yields are much lower per acre uh because of the size of the apples they're very small Mm -hmm. um so we the art of making cider is blending apples so we have a a certain percentage of these that we blend with uh, dessert apples that that are bought you know they're on the we buy processed apples to blend with them as everyone else does so that when that makes so with with, and those apples are much cheaper, so then we're able to be competitive in the marketplace with, okay. uh, you know, with the
0: rest of the competitors. Okay. That's her opinion. Yes. She's sharing uh-huh. her opinion. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um,
1: and then Craig um, is also just about, they're going to harvest next week, the Russian red apples.
2: Uh, well, we, we're growing a we're growing a red flesh apple, oh. and we named it uh, a Russian Red during the kind of the whole Russia thing with Trump, kind of a political <laughs> statement. And and it's quite popular in Seattle right now. We're putting it in kegs, uh, but we and we have quite a few more of those planted. It's a it's an odd, obscure variety, very very sort of. It's a big, round, red, ugly apple, but it's it's all red inside when you mm-hmm. pick it.
1: So then the juice comes out, right? The right. juice yeah. comes
2: out and it's it's as dark as beet juice, believe it or not. And wow. many of these red flesh apples, when you go through fermentation, they wash out. I mean, it goes from dark red to, you know, kind of this, you know, liver color almost. Um, this this apple, it just stays really beautiful colored red after fermentation. So it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful liquid. And so we're we're working on we're planting more of those, and we're gonna have more of this in the future as a you know, be it a, a, a rosé or a red cider. I think we'll stick with the name Russian Red. It's kind of interesting. Um, and at some point, we're going to put it in cans, which might even be in 22. We'll, we're talking about that now. Okay. So that's a that's a growth area that uh I mean Angry Orchards has, you know, they have the rose cider that they make and that's been quite popular. But uh they they're using um, I don't want to say what they're they're not using apples to make it red. We'll leave it at that. Um
1: <laughs> We're gonna have red apples to we're make it have red. Red apples yeah. to, to
2: red make flesh, red yeah. cider. That's okay. yeah, yeah, that's okay. that's what
0: we're gonna do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are you are you experimenting so yeah, are you experimenting with other cider varieties to see how they grow in this area or how they work maybe with you? No, we,
2: we, uh, we've done that. We had a, we had a fellow named Peter Mitchell come over uh, 14 years ago. Now he also taught cider making classes. He's educated all the, most all the cider makers in, in this part of the country, Mm -hmm. uh, how to make cider. Sharon took the class. Is that Uh, at
0: WSU? Yes. It it was at the
2: extension of Mount Vernon. Correct. correct, correct, uh Mm -hmm. So Peter was, and then we hired Peter to, okay, Peter, you know, what do we plant? That was my question to him. And they were all these obscure, to me, weird names, you know, like, like, what are we doing here? There's so many, you know, what do you do? What do you plant? So initially we planted them alphabetically because I couldn't get my head around all these varieties, but there's, there's four distinct types of cider apples, bittersweet, bitter, sharp, sharp, and sweet. Um, and we had some all. We had, I think, at one point almost 40 different varieties. Uh, now we're down to um, about five varieties we're growing that we found that we can grow well here that are commercially viable. Certainly a lot of the other varieties are, that make good cider, but that for one reason or another, we just weren't successful with them. Okay. On the growing side. So
0: I'm going to ask you a question that I think people from the West side might have. So, when I grew up as a kid, apple trees looked a certain way. They look like trees.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You move over here to Central Washington. You pay attention to what's around us. Apple trees don't look like apple trees anymore. Mm-mm. I'm going to guess that that's because it's more efficient and more economically viable. That's correct. How long does it take to go from planting to production on, a, on an old on an old fashioned tree? Versus a newfangled wall. Uh, well, the old-fashioned trees we haven't planted,
2: we haven't grown those in a long time. But, that <laughs> but was,
1: in the, in the history, but in history, fun.
2: I would say you know you're you're you know it's it's you know six to eight years to to really get good production.
0: And how long would an old-fashioned tree be viable? In in, well, in round it, numbers, I mean,
2: it, as far as, as producing good apples, it could easily it could easily be as much as fifty years. But okay. Uh Typically, the the variety goes out of got f- a flavor, in the market and the marketplace well, market was yeah. going to force you to do something long before that, probably. Okay. And now with these new high density, and the biggest thing that we're able to gr- put so many more trees in what we call fruiting laws is the advent of these all of these different dwarfing rootstocks that control the size of the tree. So we can instead of planting a tree twenty five feet apart, we can plant a tree three feet apart and control the size.
0: And and we've been able to
2: almost double our Production per acre. Okay,
0: so a tree wall. You, pr- you, if you were to plant one in twenty twenty one, when might it be at production? Well, you'd have some production on the third leaf, and
2: by the fifth leaf, you're 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 close to full production. And how long are these good? I mean, well, there again, these trees uh, will probably be good for 25, 30 years. Oh, uh, oh. but uh, it, it, you know, they may go out of favor uh, in terms of uh, varieties, but. Well, they'll probably actually last longer than that. They probably last for 40 or 50 years, but apple, is, apple tree is a long growing tree, but it's okay. the marketplace is, is it dictates
0: the, probably the, how long it's going to be at a given variety. So I drive up and down the Columbia from Wenatchee up to Pateros mm-hmm. and along the Columbia there you see orchards. So I'm going to ask you what those guys are doing. Some of them have big like shade claws over them. Yes, we have our farm in Yakima,
2: which is you know down by the airport it's all covered in shade cloth and uh for us, we have wild water there and there's a lot of minerals in it so when you 're cooling these apples with which' running the water intermittently you know when it's above eighty five degrees uh, gets you know gets a yeah you know, residue on them over over time so we've gone to a shade cloth and so
1: keep them cool. You know, okay. Keep
2: them cooler. The shade cloth, you know, blocks some of the sun, and so you know, we had the the hottest summer on record here, and we really have no sunburn under our situation this year. So it's that's been quite helpful to us. It it changes the color slightly. The red is not quite as dark red; it's more of a pinkish. Uh, but I think you'll see more of that in certain instances with certain varieties. Is the shade cloth?
0: All right. So then, when I was driving up here. On some of the rows, I don't know that they were your rows, but look like they had um, a reflective, like an mm-hmm. aluminum yeah. foil. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: that's, uh, there's, yeah, that's called, uh, color up and that just bounces. It. So the trees are so close together and you know, to get, to get them to turn red in the lower portion of the tree. So it bounces a lot of light up. So on a day like this, it's bright out. You have to have your sunglasses on. You get blinded if you're walking down a tree row. Uh, and it really helps in coloring, especially on apples that have red, or you know, what we call bicolored apples, which most of them are now, except a red delicious, really helps getting more intense red color. And we and we at Fresh Market, we get paid on color.
0: OK, fat. OK, thank you, because I've observed these things, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a recent transplant over here and mm-hmm. not a farmer. Mm hmm. Um. And the other the other
2: the other uh, is called you'll see some white cloth down. we call that extend there again that that actually came from Australia and New Zealand. it's it's a woven factory. You can drive on it. It's good for a number of years. and that's the same thing. You can put that down. that bounces light back up into the tree. And so that's another it's it's more expensive, but it's more of a a long term material you can use year after year. okay. you'll
0: so you'll see both thank you so I have these all these all these questions bounce in my head, and part of the reason I do this is so I can go ask my questions to people you know, <laughs> yeah, fun.
2: you'll see as you as you drove down here through Ellensburg as you go up the grade on the on the on the ridge there you'll see all those orchards on the on the north side of the road there that you know they've got all those long rows of of white material down there. that's extended and that those are all mostly Honeycrisp there, but uh that's that's what it's for to bounce that light up in the trees,
0: okay. So, as we wrap this up, what I always like to ask my guests, when you're not doing what you're doing, what do you guys do for fun and excitement in Washington State? Well, for me, I'm a skier.
2: So, I, whether it's skiing here or now we're going to be able to go back to British Columbia, I'm ready for ski season. I do a lot of mountain biking from here. I can just ride from here. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Geez. So, I do a lot yeah. of yoga. I like to exercise six days a week. So, okay, those are some fun things I like to like to travel. So, mm-hmm.
1: How about you, Sharon? Well, I'm… Um, very interested in culture so okay. and that is that is why we divide our time between Seattle and this farm so i love I love all of the museums in Washington state. I just think some of the the exhibitions that are mounted are just fantastic. I love the art community okay. that's in I love going to meany Hall for the those the cultural um, calendar that they have in the in the fall and winter uh, like I said I'm a cook mm-hmm. so i I love um going to all the distinctive food mm-hmm. um, outlets like Big John's and Delorentes, and I think that that's one of the greatest things about about Seattle and Washington state. Um, and then I'm a huge reader. Okay. And that just fits right in. I mean, I did not know that Seattle was the most well-read city in in America till I moved there, but I've always been a reader, but I'm more of a reader now. Okay. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Right. And I'm also I, I swim and I uh, I have a, a you know, I have a walking practice, we have a dog and so I'm out. Right. And I've never I and I and I never anticipated this, but I love the rain huh (laughs) (laughs) i love the weather in seattle i know i'm the oddity out and but but i don't think that's true i mean i think you you cannot live in seattle and complain about the rain you just should move my opinion i did (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly if it didn't work for you you move i mean you don't just hang around and moan about it oh my god
0: are either of you coffee drinkers
1: we're tea, tea drinkers.
0: Tea. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm not a tea fan. I, well, let I me mean, I, I rephrase that. I do not have knowledge of tea. Mm-hmm. So, any great tea shops that you could share with people? Because I w- I would ask that if it was a coffee shop. So tea, yeah, places for tea.
1: Well, actually, they don't they don't make it in Seattle. Um, there's been a couple. Tivana had a couple of places, locations, and they didn't stay. There was one in New Village, one downtown. There is. I saw a small coffee. Uh, excuse me, a tea place at the corner of John and um, Broadway the other day, which mm-hmm. I have not have not gone in, but I did see it. Mm-hmm. There's also another one on Second, but and the, but the best one used to be on Nineteenth, uh, and it closed. Okay. So unfortunately, I can't give you it's a big CL, tea. So-
0: room coffee centric yes. yeah, yeah as, yes, it is, as we all mm-hmm. know how about food in yakima
1: oh food in yakima well we're, we're so lucky now um because what's happened in our little town of Titan, uh-huh you know the mighty Titan people and they've uh <laughs> do you know about this i don't I just, oh my I, god I... you should go interview the mighty tyatin people <laughs> okay yes that's your next stop for sure but um there is a now uh uh a man who has quite a culinary background and there it's called 617 and it's on the square in Tieton.
0: Okay. And
1: his um uh, Craig Singer, and he has a fantastic palette and menu and seasonal. And he does um, I think it's just Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay. But then he also has a small store on the square and he has provisions in there. So, you know, you can buy and there's also um Diet and Farm and Creamery. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, two people who are transplants from the um, west side who have make lovely cheese, and he oh. carries all of their cheeses. Yes. So food in Yakima. So when I came here, mm-hmm. there was one place that you could go for dinner, and that was pretty much it. And now that has completely changed. And um there's several really good restaurants so, now.
0: Can I get you to name drop?
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> There's Crafted. There's Cowichee Canyon. I'm sorry, is it, I want to say picnic, but that's not it. The one that's out by, um.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah provisions? No, provisions. Provisions. Okay.
1: So those three are all excellent. And then Craig, you told me about the other day about this great pizza place that's here now.
2: Yeah, it's called the Kiln. The Kiln. Mm-hmm. Kiln. So why do you say it's a great pizza place? It's just good pizza. I mean, I've I've I go I go by there from time to time on from one farm to the next. It's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know it for a fact. And they're also
1: good customers of Titan Cider Works. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Most of these
2: restaurants buy some cider from us, but sure, uh, all right. But
0: uh, yeah, so, food is much improved in Yakima. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to college in Ellensburg, and you know, we'd come to come to Yakima, and yeah, it wasn't.
1: It was and a desert, is, no. You
0: know, in the early 80s, it was not a particularly inspiring place. In no. Opinion.
2: But, but, yeah, but Wellensburg had it in that old kind of downtown. Yeah. What was it, that restaurant? Uh, we used to go there.
0: Oh, um. Sharon, um. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 <sighs> yeah.
2: know, I know you know what I'm talking about. I, know,
0: I, I do, too. And I can't think of, an, I, I think, well, there's one of two. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on both of them.
1: See, we'll have to have a a footnote at the end. Yes, we'll, we'll, of the podcast. Here. But there
0: was one kind of more of an upscale place that was yeah. in down in the downtown core. Right. And I cannot think of the name of that. But he was
1: great. He he was innovative and he right. was great. But yeah. there was also. And there's a yellow house.
0: A little yellow schoolhouse that was
2: right. Uh, more of a more of a lunch place, but. Um,
1: This doesn't work in a podcast, so don't don't keep trying to do it. Yeah, it's not gonna work. We'll we'll,
0: (laughs) we'll skip this folks. Just kidding. So uh, let me ask you this last question. So I I received an email from from you guys from from Titan inviting me up somewhere in late October for what I'm my tongue is planted firmly in cheek when I say this. Looking for free labor to harvest apples. Oh,
2: <laughs> oh, that was that was more tongue in cheek. I think it's uh, is the cider club is we're offering a. You know, we still have a few apples left, so you can come up and pick a few apples if you're interested, and have uh, lunch. There's a there's a harvest it, at dinner, at the, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. Harvest uh-huh. dinner at yeah. Mighty Titan.
1: Yeah, at Mighty Titan. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Okay.
2: And that's so that's kind of what it's about. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I was just
0: I got yeah. this and I was chuckling. Oh, the, the labor they, they need me to provide labor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. No,
2: it's uh, no, that was just a that was a joke on that part of it. No, but that it was
0: time. it was actually I it worked the joke worked well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think so in years past, you've had Cider Club members come up and take a look. And it. I think it's fascinating to see where the product comes from.
1: Well, that's, that's always the draw for people. And, right. um, we do another, um, separate from the cider club, but Craig and I started, um, probably 10 or 11 years ago, one weekend and we have, we've invited our friends and that, and we have our friends from California come. Oh, wow. I mean, from Portland. I mean, they come right. and they just love this weekend. This year, one of my, the first people who ever came, she lives in Mexico now and she scheduled her trip so she could be here for our apple picking weekend. But, um, Craig is, he, uh, we, Take everybody. We load uh, flatbed uh, trailers behind a tractor, and we take people through. and we, And Craig gets out, and he tastes. You know, he, he provides a little slice of each variety, so people can decide if they like it. Oh! And then people pick. And in the past, we had um, charged them. And then this year, when we do our our um, apple picking, we've decided that we'll make a donation to the Titan Arts and Humanities. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: This year,
2: so that's amazing. Yeah, that's
0: that's really wonderful.
2: And people like they bring their kids, and you know we show them how to pick an apple. We don't just yank it off the tree. You got to kind of roll it off. Oh, that but, was
1: that's what I was gonna say. Because so the children, how to, how it's been so great, pick.
2: and they and they they're into picking an apple, right? You know, they, 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 well, they don't you know, get to no, if they're, they're living, living in Seattle so or Portland
1: or Los Angeles. Or Las anywhere. Animals. I mean, even yeah. probably little kids in y- right Yakima may not know how to go right. pick an apple. Right. You know.
0: <laughs> well, that's certainly. I mean, when I was a, a kid growing up in the Tacoma Puyallup area, you know, a lot of you know summers we would. Make money by picking berries or beans, mm-hmm. and that and you know just don't have that anymore. Right? You know, just no. you know. So,
2: but it's it's just good to get out on a farm, be it beans or or berries or apples, just to kind of get a feel for like what where people does go your food come, where, where does from? It come from? I mean, it, in in for most everybody, where's the food? It's at the store. It always has been, but it has to it has to come from someplace to get to the store, and that every commodity has a story, and they're all pretty interesting,
0: right? No. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up with that. I could go down another rabbit hole, but I think I'll spare you both. Okay. Um, thank you. Is there one – do you have a last any last words? Where can people f- find out more about whatever and all of that?
2: Well, I think of our tie-in cider works just to uh, keep checking in with our website. We keep adding things about the new ideas, new things. We've got new creations coming. Yeah, okay. I
1: mean, and you can join our cider club. Of course. And then our farm also has a website, Okay, uh, harmonyorchards.com. And there's a Apple page on there. And, well, there's actually a page for everything that we grow in different varieties and explains, you know, the parentage. Okay. So, yeah, those More are the two ways. More informational than anything. Yeah. But, um. mm-hmm. So,
0: are, your, are the products from Harmony... Are they available locally? Are, are they? Um, do you have like a farm stand or anything like that? Or We no. don't.
2: We, we, we pack our own apricots and some specialty apples, and they're, and they're shipped all over the country. Okay. And then the rest of it go to, to warehouses, okay. be it
0: Yakima or Wenatchee. Okay. And in the variety. Great. Well, thank you both very much. I appreciate your kindness in letting me be here. You're
1: all welcome. Right. Well, thank you very much. Enjoyed this.